on this week's show. As frozen pitches continue to hit a lot of our football, we speak to Dartford groundsman Jay Burkhauer. I mean, I've been doing this for 20 years now, coming up 20 years. I can't remember a cold snap that's, that's lasted as long. A fine win for Tunbridge Angels over Dover Athletic and another Jay. Jay Saunders tells us about that win for the Angels. We probably should be sitting in the bluffs. We, we've not taken chances. We've not killed teams off. We've conceded too many goals. If we hadn't done that, we would be sitting comfortably in the bluffs. And a hat-trick to help Ramsgate stay top of the table. We hear from young TJ Jadama about his hopes for a future in the game. I want to try and push on as far as I can and Ramsgate are helping me do it. Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the Kent Non-League Podcast, sponsored by Nick Cunningham Plumbing and Heating. We've got three interviews for you to enjoy this week, our version of a perfect hat-trick, if you will, with player, manager and someone who is neither. Uh, before we get into that, of course, we are your usual favourite Kent Non-League Podcast double act. Well, almost everyone's favourites. Hello, Michael. So that means, as always, I'm John Phipps, who over the weekend walked more than two miles just to get two cans of a special beer. And on the line now is a man whose response to a friendly question about if he had a nice evening on Tuesday cannot be repeated on this podcast. It's Matt Gerrard, of course. How are you, mate? No, good, man. Good, mate. Yeah, well, I, when I got in my car yesterday to drive home, I saw it and I thought, oh, I could reply back now saying, yeah, I had a lovely evening, but I didn't. So I replied back this morning um, after I'd slept on it and it probably, yeah, yeah. That was the your response when you'd calmed down, was it? That, that was your response no, when well, you'd calmed down. I, I, again, I had quite a nice evening, to be honest. Nice company, nice people, just... The football was crap, but that's, I'm, I'm getting used to that now, so that's fine. Absolutely. Uh, what you've been up to? Anything else? Obviously, you had a bit. Of, we'll talk about what your your adventures on Saturday uh, later on. Have you done anything else this week? Uh, I've been watching a lot of programs on telly, John. Normally, I'm oh. saying I haven't watched much, but I've watched absolutely loads this week. So we'll, we'll get to that. The first thing, what else have been up to? It was my mum's birthday, so we oh, went out for birthday. a nice meal in um, in, in Canterbury job. on Sunday. So uh, that was nice. Um, and they're just a bit of working and. Bits and pieces, really. So, no, no just, um, oh, it's, it's that time of the year that's plenty of, plenty of dog walks and things like that. But I've been watching a lot on the telly, mate, so I've got plenty of recommendations for later. Oh, good. Well, while we're doing birthday shout-outs, very quick, happy birthday uh, for early in the week to Dave, who lives in Saudi Arabia. He's one of our new listeners. So I hope you had a nice day uh, out there. At least uh, your football team managed to win, unlike my co-host, Matt. Uh, mm. Anyway, uh, it's our 243rd episode this week. Uh, and I searched for that throughout the nugget that 243 is an excellent small to medium-sized game cartridge. It will take down anything from small predators or varmints up to antelope or deer with authority. Yep, guns again. Uh, there's also a glue too, a medium strength threadlock, no less, whatever that may be. Uh, and I also found a game called 243, which is online and a bit similar to the uh, 2048 thing that some people do. And that game, I can tell you, is not addictive at all and definitely didn't delay me writing this script. Oh, no. Uh, it's also the number of Earth days for the planet Venus to complete one Venusian day, one revolution. And we think a day can drag here. 243 days. Sod that for a game of soldiers. Yes, that could be a long time. Oh. Oh, do, you, do you believe in all that stuff? Well, clearly there's planets out there, but do you believe in extraterrestrials, somebody living? Could there be somebody on Venus, a bit like us, an alternative uh, reality that's doing the podcast and like that? I don't necessarily... I think... I think there could be another solar system. I mean, I don't think there's necessarily any, any life on the planets that we know of, but what's away from there? You know, there quite easily could be something else in another universe, a, a, another universe 
uh, that's you know that is exactly like this or completely different with more species. Who knows? And the thing is, Matt, we will never know. No, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I, again, I always think when that thing the other day was the um, was it was it Virgin going into space to put some satellites in? It was the first thing. I'm thinking, it's the money. Is that me or? And it didn't work anyway. So you know, just I can't really see the point of doing all that. It seems a bit of a waste of money, but. It's one-upmanship, I suppose. Yeah, it's all a bit... The space race is always a bit confusing. I don't, yeah. I don't think people will ever live on Mars in our lifetimes. There's my there's my guess. But who knows? You never Richard know. Richard Branson wants to, doesn't he? Well, yeah, but he's, a, he's pegging on a bit, isn't he? So I think yeah. I'm right in saying, actually, Richard Branson was born exactly the same day as my mum. I'm going to Google that very quickly. But I have same a year as well? I think so. Let me just have a quick look. I reckon, I reckon Richard Branson, he, he must be 72, 73. Richard Branson was born, sorry, two days after my mum. Exactly two days after my mum. So my mum was born on the 16th. He was born on the 18th. What, what, so how old, given your mum's age, right? How old is Richard Branson then? He's 72. How is he? All right. Yeah. So he used to be on the telly a lot, didn't he? Yeah, he doesn't see him much, yeah. No. Terrible Barnet, yeah. Yeah, he doesn't see him Is it a famous, shares your birthday, Matt? Alan Border, the cricketer. Nice. And one of... Uh, Torvald and Dean, but I don't know which one it is. Oh, no, see now, Jane, uh, if it's her, she lives not far from here apparently, and uh, she's often seen walking down Eastbourne Seafront. Never seen her myself, but I've seen pictures of her. Um, well, she should be skating along the seafront, well, rollerblading. To be honest, in some of the weather we've had lately, she'd easily fit in. Yeah. Um, in in not many people, famous people share my birthday. Uh, Richard Ashcroft, uh, Moby, uh, both born on the same day of the year as me. Uh, a few random footballers, but most depressing, and this is going to take a dark turn, we want to talk about extraterrestrials. Um, one of the Columbine Massacre killers was born on exactly <laughs> the same day as me. Oh. Uh, so that's uh, cheerful. And obviously my birthday, uh, if people aren't regular listeners to this show, is the well-known day of a terrorist attack in New York. So, uh, yeah, so what a lovely day for everybody to remember. Well, anyway. Going back to this, when I when I went to the World Cup, I printed out a whole list of squads to take it over so I could see it. Who's that? Sorry, cough. Yeah, and, yeah, and uh, basically, I, one of the things I did, I went through every single squad to see if somebody who, in the, who was in the squad had the same birthday as me. And how many players out of the, how many is that, 26 times 32? Was it 32 teams yet? Well, which I'm not going to do by maths. How many players had the same birthday as me? Six. One. And I think it was for Saudi Arabia or something like that. That's how it do. So I was like looking through that. That was, you know, I'm a bit boring at times, aren't I, to be fair. Well, that is that is pretty sad. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll I'll make it my aim for next week's show to research if there was anyone at the World Cup born on my birthday. Um, oh, yeah. But I won't do that now because we've gone on for long enough about this already. As tempting as it is to segue straight into the fact that uh, Tuesday night was a long night for Dover Athletic, uh, we're actually going to move away from that. We're going to start with some chat about pitches. Uh, as for the second week running, both Deal Town and Town saw their FA Vars games called off uh, with the former's game going far, far too close to kick-off. But it wasn't just far-flung games that were affected, with several matches here in the county postponed due to frozen pitches at various times as well. Uh, one of the most surprising call-offs came early on Friday. Uh, where Dartford's proud record of avoiding postponements came to an end due to a small section of the Prince's Park pitch being frozen, meaning that their game with Taunton didn't go ahead. Uh, Earlier this week, I spoke to the man who was absolutely gutted to have had to call that game off, 
Darts groundsman Jay Burkhauer. Uh, the weather's definitely not been our friends uh, for the last sort of week, week and a half. To be fair, for the winter, it's been a bit of a bit of a tricky winter this year, should we say? Uh, has it been one of the worst ones you can remember? Because I mean, it was it, last year. I remember it was it was quite a mild winter, but this year it's been we had loads and loads of rain, and then we've had loads of cold weather, and I guess that's all adding to the problems. Funny, I was having a chat with uh, another groundsman the other day. Um, I mean, I've been doing this what twenty years now, coming up twenty years. I can't remember a cold snap that's, that's lasted as long. If that makes sense, you'd always get a frost. Like we had a frost a couple of months ago, overnight or for a couple of days, and you could sort of deal with that. But it's been constant for the last five or six days. So it's just the frost is so deep in the ground now; it's just taking forever to get it out. Uh, and obviously, we, we know the darts pitch is, is is pretty darn good. So, for you to actually have a game called off is a rarity. As you did on Saturday, mate. I'm I'm, I'm gutted. I'm in mean, the gaffer took me in for a beer on Friday night because I was you could see it in my face. I was um, so four years I've been here. I've never had a first team game called off. So to get it off was was gutting. But like I said, it was just obviously having the rain on the on the Monday night and then freezing. Sorry, rain on the Monday and then freezing through the night on Monday. It's, it, it was. I mean, we had the lighting. I mean, we were quite lucky. We've got two sets of lighting rigs. We had them out on the pitch trying to pour an area, and even we couldn't get that to fall with, with heat on the pitch. So it was just like a, a, a yeah, it was near impossible. I, I, anyone who got games on, I know a couple of guys in Essex managed to get games on. Fair play to them because it, it, it's been an absolute nightmare this week. And obviously, you know, I suppose some supporters will look at things and say, oh, it's only one section, everything like that. But it's so important that none of the pitch is frozen, isn't it? I mean, that sounds obvious, but but it's true. Oh, yeah. It only takes, like, uh, we had a a game called off for a London City game a a while ago for a bit of frost. And it was literally in front of the tunnel, three by three metre area. But you imagine if a player runs down that that part of the pitch, slips, cracks her her, or his head on the floor... I mean, it's, it's harder than concrete, a frozen pitch. So, yeah, it's just not worth risking the player's safety. I mean, I don't know if you see the Chelsea game the other day when they kicked off. I mean, there was players slipping about all over the place. It's just, just not safe. And I suppose from a darts point of view, at least you made the decision early on Friday. Was, was that a conscious thing? Was there something in your head of, if this isn't done by a certain time, I think we're going to have to look at getting this called off? Yeah, so I, I was in two. I, I had my, my groundsman's head on, which was, I mean, I was willing to work through the night and try and get the game on. So my, my professional pride, if you like, was saying, we can, I, can, I can still do this. But obviously the other side of me was thinking, I spoke to Kevin from, from Taunton. Uh, I spoke to the Tony, the managing director, Jack, obviously the operations manager and the gaffer. We all decided that it's only fair if by Friday night, if we really can't see an improvement, then... Uh, what's the difference going to be on Saturday morning? With, with Taunton leaving at 8 o'clock, it wouldn't be fair to them to say, well, we'll give it to 11 because the chances are it wouldn't fall out. Then they've got to travel up. Their supporters have started to travel. I mean, we're in a, obviously everyone's struggling for, for money to pay the electric bills at the minute. They don't want to waste money on, on travel to come up to a game which we probably knew would have been off anyway. So it was massively... Like, we all agreed that was the right decision to make. I mean, you see some things over the... I won't name clubs, but you see some things over the weekend that, that shouldn't have happened. So we, we try to be as fair as possible we, to, to any any travelling side. Look, you say obviously about, about. I think you said to me earlier on, it's, it's still frozen now. So, so w- w- what is the process at the moment? I mean, I was just looking. Obviously, darts haven't got a, a first team game for a few weeks, but I guess you might have other things in the meantime. Yeah, so tonight would have been a London Senior Cup game that was um, from last Tuesday against Met Police. It was obviously called off because of the frost. So that's just been called off. Um, 
we had so basically I, I assume you know Dartford down down the the wing where the tunnel is it, that that doesn't get any sunlight for the best part of five months of the year. So once the frost gets in there, normally we can stop the frost getting in there with the covers, but just the way Mother Nature worked this time, it rained, we couldn't get the covers on, and the rain froze in the pitch. So it's just trying to... We used the light and rigs to try and thaw it out, and that wasn't working because it's just so deep in the ground. It's just a case of letting Mother Nature take its course now. We got we got up to five degrees yesterday, five degrees today. There's no sunlight, which doesn't help, but it is slowly coming out of the ground. But it's just so deep, it's... It, Anything you, we can do physically isn't going to help. It's just going to be a case of the soil temperatures warming up naturally. So the other part of your question is, yeah, so we've got our next game, luckily, after today, today's game's off, isn't until next Monday, which is a Cholton under-21s game. So we've got a little bit of time, to be fair, which is, so it's just a case of now letting Mother Nature sort of take its course. I suppose you just kind of, just, just, just you just have to keep an eye on it and, and wait and see how it goes. It must be such a, a, a thing I, I suppose people look at it and think oh it's, it's easy to keep hold of a pitch but it, it really isn't is it oh mate it's so frustrating uh, and uh, I mean I remember when I was younger when I first started out there was a game at Palace where they, uh, how how the head grounds were at the time got it on I was only an apprentice at the time and he, and there was no stress in his face and I thought what are you not stressing for it's a massive game it's a championship game and he said to me it's always stuck with me you can't beat the weather no matter what you do, you can't beat the weather. Unless you're one of the top, top clubs that have got undersoil heating, a million-pound pitch, hybrid pitch, with lighting rigs to cover the whole pitch, sometimes you just have to face, you can't beat, you can't beat the weather. So, it, I mean, I was stressing the other day, and the gaffer pulled me to the side and had a chat. And it, it's just not worth taking home and getting stressed about, if you like. It, it can be really frustrating, but sometimes you've got to step back and go, I've done all I can. As long as you've done all you can, you can genuinely say, I've done all I can to get that game on, then you can't do no more. Then you've just got to sort of half let it go. And, and I suppose the final question to, to a groundsman, I'm wary of asking this, 3Gs are all right, aren't they? Oh, mate, don't <laughs> right. I had this conversation yesterday on another podcast. Right. So how long have you got here? So I, if, if the main reason you're looking to get a 3G pitch... Is anything other than um, revenue income, I disagree with it. I 100% agree that they are good revenue income for lower league sides, especially in the Eastman League and that sort of level. 100% agree and get it. But if, if, if the reason you're putting in a 3G pitch is to get games on, one thing I will say is we've had games on here this season and last season where 3G pitches are flooded. So that's that, and not all weather. <laughs> um, snow is another factor on 3G pitches. You can't remove snow from a 3G pitch because you can damage it. Uh, you can get snow off a grass pitch quite easily. Um, I believe there should be more funding available to especially grassroots clubs to be able to help improve and maintain their grass surfaces to a better standard. Um, little things like... Um, buying sets of frost covers. Okay, 20 grand is a lot of money to a small club, I get that. But if there's funding available to help them achieve that, uh, things like um, investing in a full-time groundsman, so you've got someone on site working the pits all the time, that will help improve your pits. Putting drainage in, if you can get funding to get drainage into your pits or buying a verted drain machine. I, I, I do believe there's a lot more that can be done to help the industry uh, with with sort of financial financial help, if you if you see what I'm saying, I think if you put a little bit of time, effort, and money into them pitches, that can that can help dramatically improve the pitches. 
Well, he's very good on Twitter, Matt, so I'm not at all surprised he was very good on this as well. Uh, and he made some great points there, I thought. But firstly, this cold snap really has been a big issue, hasn't it? Yeah, because we, we were up early most of the time going to take the dog out. We've seen it being absolutely really mega, mega frosty. The car's covered. And when we walk through the park through the um, to get home, you've got that absolute crunch of the ground. So... And it's an interesting point he said about that, that the, um, about the frozenness of the pitch, that how once it gets in, it gets in, and it could be harder than concrete from that. So, yeah, he's one of the good guys, Jamie. And I'm honest, you know, very, very popular when you go to the ground, you're asking how many games he's got, and he knows how many games. And the pitch is normally fantastic at Darford, and you could feel the pain in his voice and the upset of calling it off. But when he said about that, that he doesn't want a you know, person banging their head or breaking a leg on it, it, it it's a sensible decision um it's just one of those things but it seems uh, there's something's got to change i think dartford do the did it at the right time regarding where taunton were other clubs do it at the right time i think there needs to be some precedent from the league really just if if the weather particularly you can't do much about rain if the rain calls you can't do much about that but in this frosty conditions i think there's something that needs to be done just to stop the very late postponements because that doesn't help any other club, any of the clubs. And you've got to feel for deal now going the third time down to where they're going to go near Wiltshire, isn't it? I think it is. I think it's one of those things where you can't win. I, I really do because I think, you know, we've all seen it before where a game's been called off early and then the next day's been really mild and everyone's moaning saying, oh, why did you call that off? But on the flip side of that, what happened to Deal and um, let's just pluck another team out of the air, haven't more to Louisville uh, <laughs> over the weekend. You would look at that and say, that's not right. So I think you're right. I, and I think it's time for there to be some sort of ruling by the league, especially the National League South. I think Isthmian League and below is probably not such a big issue because it's not the travelling distances involved. But I think the National League have got to put in place some sort of framework here to stop teams from travelling a long way. And, you know, fair play to Dartford. And and you can tell from from Jay there, he would have got worked through the night to get that game on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But as you said there, you know, everyone kind of pulled him apart. And, and fair play to him for the fact that he was able to, to listen to people saying to him, actually, no, do you know what? Be Don't do it. We'll, we'll, we'll just call it off. And, and, and But I think the National League South or the National League need to be putting in some guideline to say, if a pitch is frozen... 24 hours before kickoff, let's not assume it's going to thaw out. And I think that's where the problem lies. You know, I think there, there's got to be some hard and fast ruling and, and the same for the Vars and the trophy as well as we get to the later stages. You know, I think, again, Deal were upset on Saturday and I understand Deal were upset on Saturday, but they did a pitch inspection on Friday afternoon, the exact time of the game and said, well, if it's played now, it's playable. And I can understand that they wanted to get the game on. And then, but you come on it from the flip side of that, that the weather forecast was absolutely awful. And it was very clear that the game was going to be postponed. So why didn't they just say, well, the pitch is fine now, but it, we're looking at the forecast. I think people are so keen to get games of football on. And we've got to remember that a lot of these people are volunteers. Yeah. People are so keen to get games on because they're, you know, and that FA Vars game is huge for Corsham. You know, they're, they're obviously desperate to get that game on and get it played and everything like that and get the fans through, through the gates. So you can understand that they're really keen to get it on. But it's it's this issue, isn't it, of only the match referee seems to be able to call a lot of games off in in a lot of places. And, and I think, you know, there needs to be more 
officials readily available to do inspections and more common sense, I suppose, going forward and, and a blanket ruling of this is this is the state of play. And then there's no way for people to moan saying, well, this was called off and it shouldn't have been called off because those are the rules that if there was a cold snap coming, like we've had this winter, the games have got to be looked at and it's got to be actually, do you know what? Let's do the sensible decision to save people travelling. A hundred percent. I think, you know, having a more Toulouse situation, I think it's the second time this season that I've driven into the bottom of the car park at Dover. Haven't even stopped my car, did the lap of honour and gone straight back out again because it was being called off. So I think yeah, there needs to be something on this. It, 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 clubs don't need to travel. I, I presume Dover then, Dover have lost money by not doing X. I've got to pay for Haven's coach. So just sensible things. And, and clubs don't want to travel, it, especially this day and age, hiring a coach, doing it twice. It costs a lot of money. So league's got to come into it. it, it we know it, you can't do much about rain. If it chucks it down with rain, that's one of those things. But if you know the really frosty conditions we've had, and I think there's supposed to be coming again next week, have some sensible decisions and do a nice early pitch inspection all the night before and listen to your groundsmen. Clearly, Dartford, listen to their groundsmen. They're the experienced people who know how these things work. And they will be, and they will tell you, honestly, I can get this pitch going, but clearly he's worked a lot on it. There always seems to be a pit in pitches. There's always seems to be any of the ground, um, one part that doesn't, it's always frozen, isn't there? So listen to your groundsmen as well. They will know how it works on the pitch and go with it there. And hopefully we'll have a stop of this because, you know, it's not good to constant bickering on social media when Club A slates Club B or Club Haven't slates Club Dover. And I, and I do feel for Haven't in this situation. And I don't think I'd ever say that before. I think the thing is, um, and on that one, which we probably will talk about a little bit later, Dover have got so much previous, though, haven't they, with this? You know, that's the problem. They, it's not even the first time this season that no. that, that that they've told clubs, yeah, it's going to be fine, it's going to be on. Um, and then the referees got there and said, are you joking? And and I think that's I think that's the problem. Well, so you, you, well, you learn from your experiences then, but clearly they didn't. Yeah, no. And, and, and But, you know, on the flip side of that, I don't think haven't necessarily helped matters by saying, well, we've just got her in the groundsman's told us it should have been called off at nine o'clock this morning. Well, that's their word against whatever, yeah. you know, you, you could easily say that. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough situation, but I think Dartford absolutely did the right thing last weekend. And, and I do want to come back actually to a point um, that Jay made there about 3G pitches. And, and I thought that was an excellent point when he said, you know, people are happy to invest hundreds of thousands of pounds in these 3G pitches but they're not looking to invest the money in a grass pitch. And for, for the money that you spend on on, the, on your 3G pitch, you could easily have a good, you know, have a groundsman like Jay in. You can in, look after your pitch and get your pitch really good. And, and he's, as he said there, if you're getting a 3G pitch just because you think it's going to keep your games on, then you're mistaken. And I think that's, that's maybe a common misconception about 3G pitches, isn't it? Yeah, we do know that. I think with, if it snows and it can get flooded, that you can have issues with it. And of course, frost can cause problems outside grounds and safety issues as well. I think the point is made, yeah. I don't know the average pay for a groundsman, but um, within that sort of, I'm sure it's nowhere near 300,000, but you could probably pay a decent groundsman like Jay is, out the people who look after the pitch. Um, you, you, if you want to keep it there, make sure the pitches are in good condition. So, Clearly, he's not a fan of um, 3G because I presume a lot of his work would be done for him. But, yeah, I've never really thought about it that way. If you're going to invest in that and clearly 
the return on the investment is that the pitch is constantly used and you will make money on it. But sometimes um, the prestige of having a, a quality grass pitch um, could make the difference between success and failure as well. So, yeah, good point made by that. And he's a good, he's a really good guy. And he must be one of the busiest groundsmen in the country because Dartford, good business model as well. They've, they have got a good pitch and a lot of clubs use it. If it's, I think it's Millwall Reserves and the, and the London City Ladies. So clearly um, they have got a good pitch because other teams use it as well. Yeah, absolutely. And do really appreciate him uh, joining us on the show this week. Uh, as it was, none of our five National League South clubs were able to play on Saturday, but three of them did on Tuesday night. It was a great night uh, for Tunbridge Angels. They completed a double over, over Dover Athletic and in some style as well as they won by four goals to nil. As if watching it wasn't bad enough, my favourite Dover fan then had to discuss it all with Angels boss Jay Saunders. So here he is. Yeah, yeah, no, no, please, they're all with a performance. You can't, um, don't think I'm full it or say, oh, we could have done this better or that better. We've we scored four goals, kept a clean sheet um, in, a, in a Kent derby, which is good. Out of the traps really early, two quality balls in the box and they players thrived on those chances, didn't they? Yeah, look, we've we've been good going forward this year. Our problem's been keeping clean sheets. So, um, like, we, we've always looked like scoring goals. Jordan's come in, I think he's got 12 in 12 now. We've put Joe Turner in a different position. He's now got a, sort of two in two, which is, is great for him. Um, but they were they were two really good goals, especially the second one. I mean, Jordan's had a, Joe Turner's an unbelievable ball. And he took it well. And then and then we scored at a good time. We could have gone three. I think Tariq had one cleared off the, yeah. off the line. And then um, we've come out second half, and I think Jordan's goal sort of killed it off, really. Yeah, so I think... Uh, Joe Turner had a good game. He got that extra bit of pace up front, which seemed to frighten their defence. Yeah, it's, to be honest, he's played wide a lot this season. We've trained shape recently and put him in that role, and he's really enjoying it. Um, and I think for us, he's got—he's such a fit lad. We lost him for a few weeks. He had a hernia up, and he's only his third game back, I think. So, but f- his fitness levels and his work rate is always there, and he's adding goals to it. So he's always going to be a threat. Yeah, how important was it? You know, great result against. Uh, St Albans home game here your home form hasn't been great the last few weeks mm. picking up back to back wins yeah our, our, home, our results haven't been great here but our actual performances have been alright like the Welling game we, we we really should have won the game um, the, the the Slough game we were 3-0 up and again should have put it to bed but it's it's been frustrating for our, our big problem you looked, I looked at the, the table tonight and I think the top 12 or 13 we were the only team on minus goals and that says it all we were minus 6 so it says it where our problems are this season. Uh, I think we've scored as many goals as Tunbridge scored the whole of last season, but we've just not been able to keep clean sheets. So um, tonight it was. Let's be How solid. important is it keeping the clean sheet when you're throwing it up? Then keeping that. Yeah, I, I was I was big on that. I kind of kept on at the defenders can come on because you, you work hard for it, and and it's good for Johnny. Johnny didn't have a lot to do tonight, and we were kind of like let's let's make sure we we see the game out. And um, on the flip side, of that to score four goals at home and keep keep the clean sheet, and it was a, it was a good performance and. Um, like I say, it's a Kent derby. It's a double over Dover, which is which is great. Uh, nothing against Mitch and Mike. It's um, they're good guys, but for us, I think it was important tonight. It leaves us two points off the playoffs. I think we got Braintree Saturday, so I know we've played a couple of games more, but you'd always rather the points. But as I've said all along, we we want to get to forty-five points. I think that was what Tunbridge finished with last year. That will kind of get you safe for another year, and I, I believe we're on like forty now. So. Um, we're in a good position. We're enjoying it. Um, squad's a bit thin, so we're looking at that as well. But um, no, we're enjoying it. Talk about Jordan Greenwich. I think twelve goals he's got for you now. Unfortunately, the more goals he scores, is it going to be less difficult to keep keep hold of him? We're, we're talking to him. I, I don't think they've got a new to... manager as well, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. Brad's going there. We've um, we've kind of got to take him till the end of the season now because uh, we've done three months. Um, he's keen to do it. 
I think Hemel were, are kind of open to it, uh, but it's something we're talking about at the moment. So um, you'll be concerned that other clubs will be sniffing uh, his goals. They're gonna, but I think if Jordan had the option, he'd probably want to stay. He's he's enjoying. He's got twelve in twelve. Um, I think that puts him in the top sort of six goal scorers in the league, and he's getting a run of games. When he came here, I said to him, "If you look at your CV, you've." You kind of had three games here, five games there. Come and get thirty games for us, and and, and he's on course. I said if if he plays, uh, I think we, I don't know how many games we've got left, but I think he's on he'll be on course to get twenty plus goals, and that'll be a great achievement. Is there a concern you had three injuries tonight as well, including Jordan as well? Yeah, Jordan just felt his ammy, so we we took him. He was all right to carry on, but we didn't want to take that chance. Parky was a ball to the head, felt a bit dizzy, um, and Waggy's calf tightened up. We, the squad's thin, like what we've got is what we've got, so it is something we're looking at. Um, if the right players are there, then we'll bring them in. But I, I'm not one for just signing for the sake of it. They've got to be the right players. Um, and so we'll look at it. But hopefully everyone will be all right. We've got a few days now before Braintree at home. Yeah, Braintree, good at home. I think they're unbeaten, but yeah. away from home, that'd be a tough game. Three wins on the spin, it's good at this level. Yeah, look, they're, um, we should have got something down there. We On the day, we, we were we actually good. We just conceded two sort of, break, they sort of breakaway goals. But... Um, they're doing really well. They're doing really. Well. I think we're level on points with them now, so it, it builds to a good, a good sort of hopefully exciting game. Uh, got some good players, but we're in a confident mood. That sort of we can we're at home. Hopefully, we can get a good crowd here, get behind us, and we can put on a good performance. How would you rate the season so far? Where you want to be? No, I want to be in the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> we, I, I, I'm honest. I, I, I tell it as it is. We we probably should be sitting in the playoffs. We we've not taken chances. We've not killed teams off. We've conceded too many goals. If we hadn't have done that. We would be sitting comfortably in playoffs. Now we've had a lot of injuries this year. There's no doubt about it. First part of the season was horrendous. We've had a lot more changes than I would have liked. But you'll look at the teams up there; they're pretty much settled sides. We've had to change constantly because of injuries. But I've enjoyed it. Um, they're a good group of boys, and at times we can be a very good team. So we're we're, we're, build, we're trying to build, and um, yeah, no, really enjoying it. And uh, we'll keep pushing until um, if we can't make playoffs, then we'll try and finish eighth. And if we can't finish eighth, we'll, we'll go as close to it. Got to ask the question. You've been linked to other jobs, particularly one down the road as well. Anything in that? <laughs> Do you know what? I, I I had some good years there and done all right for him. So um, you're always going to get linked. I think that will go on until until I retire. So um, <laughs> it's it's a good club, and I'm sure they'll they'll get there eventually and get the right man in charge. Um, but I'm really enjoying it here. It's uh, the people here, Tunbridge, and and the boys and the supporters and everything. Um, really enjoying it. So now I'm quite happy where I am. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about the Dover side of things shortly, Matt, but without the white-tinted specs on, were you impressed by Angels? And how's Longmead looking with the new pitch now? Apparently, fact of the day, apparently it's the biggest 3G pitch in the country, Longmead. Don't know why, but some, some somebody told me that before then. Looks, you know, they've got a good little marquee out there, good little club going yet, nice surface. I think it's one of the better 3Gs in, in, in the county as well. Yeah, I was impressed. We pressed with them as well. Clearly, they um, they've got a team that of experienced players who've been at the club for a while. So, Joe Turner was excellent. Greenwich put it on a plate. He'll score goals. Their pressing was good. Just though, four nil to Tunbridge. It could have been six. Could have been seven. Really, to be honest, they were a lot better than Dover. Quite happy to have let Dover have the ball because they weren't going to hurt them. And people, you know, Sonny Miles he had an easy game. Jay Saunders is a good manager. He's got a basis of a good side. He's brought in some good players. He's inherited some good players at this level. I was impressed with with, with um, uh, Turner. You know, he had that pace and, and Davies couldn't live with the pace with him. Just driving with the ball, which I think is so important. He scored, got a, a lovely assist for the second one. Um, 
yeah, a good performance from Angels, and they needed that because um, the home form hadn't been too good. But now, as I said before, they good result against St Albans at the week, uh, whatever they played ten days ago, beaten Dover. Now if they can follow up against Braintree. Jason is in there. They could be in the playoffs, and clearly he thinks they've got a squad good enough to be in the playoffs because he thinks they should be in the playoffs so far on the performances he's seen. I think it was an interesting point when he said there that his first aim was to, to match last season's points total. And I think, you know, there were a lot of people that were upset um, and possibly rightly so when Steve McKim uh, was relieved of his duties back in the summer. And I think, you know, in a way that, that the first challenge for Jay was to actually prove that it was the right decision to bring him in uh, and, and dispense with Steve McKim, who was obviously a great bloke and did a great job there. Um so I suppose that's an interesting first target to set. Do you think they've got it in them to, to get in the playoffs? Uh, well, I'll probably on Greenwich there. His uh, loan's up. Clearly, he scored 11-11 or something, 12-11 or something for them. Again, put the ball on the plate. He's got a bit of confidence. He'll score goals. So if they can keep him, um, they, they've got a good chance. Consistency has been a concern for them. You'd have thought with the 3G... Now, now is the time to maybe get three to four home wins on the spin, and it's going to put you up the table. So, it's going to be quite tight up there. Um, apart from the top three, you, maybe you, everybody else is playing for a playoffs, the remaining playoff spot. So, I think they've got there. If he can strengthen the squad as he wants to do, they got a good chance. He's a good manager, Jay Saunders, and he knows his division pretty well. You know, he's won a playoff there. I'm not saying that Tunbridge are going to get promoted, but I think they're they're going in the right direction. Um, under a good manager and just moulding a little squad together. So, yeah, it's just consistency for them, really. Um, what we've seen them is good performances, then they'll lose a couple. But now I think that if they can go three games um, on the spin against the Braintree side, it would be difficult. We'll level on points from the table. It will surely show them they're going in the right direction. Is it one of those where there's a bit of a feel-good factor around the place? You think, obviously, you were spoken to a Tumbridge Angels supporter that we know. Are they all happy with how things are, look, are looking at the moment? Yeah, I, th- I think um, some of them are happy with it. It's a different style of football than Steve McKim played. I think Jay Saunders is a, a manager that I think everybody likes. He's a good character for them. Good thing off the field for, for Tunbridge. Disappointing with the gate yesterday. It wasn't that cold, to be honest. I've been colder this season, only 660. Again, Dover won't bring any, and they're hardly a, a big draw for other teams. That, that was the only disappointing thing for them was the attendance, because the, I think the attendance has been good this season with over 1,000 at the weekend. So um, that was the only disappointing thing. But yeah, I think the, the, the fans are pretty happy. There's a good feel good factor when we're wandering around, but I suppose you would be when you've beaten one of your local Kent rivals 4 0. And what then of Dover, Matt? There was, there was a bit of optimism on the show last week. Then we've got the double whammy of another late call-off, followed by a bit of a shooing at Tunbridge Angels. Well, yeah, Mitch Brundle, um, he's got a job on his hands. Uh, Dover were poor. Probably had more possession than Tunbridge Angels, but, you know, you know how, how I like football to be played. It's You're not going to get anything if you just keep constantly playing it outside the penalty area and have no... Um, Nobody, no goal threat. So I don't think Dave had a, a shot in anger or, or on target. So he's got work to play with. Uh, I think he knows, from, you know, reading between the lines of the players that probably he wants to get rid of. He's brought Jack Paxman in from Ebstate, the former Maidstone man. I'd like to see a bit more legs in midfield, to be honest. I think that's what Tunbridge had. Somebody who can drive with the ball. Um, yeah, so 
We're Dover in the league. I've got the league table up here. 16th. How many points are above the relegation zone? Eight. Teams have got games in hand. I would take fifth from bottom now, John. Finally. Uh, <laughs> Again, I don't know what to say. I think on these is some of the Dover's dealings in the transfer market have been um, absolutely appalling. So, really, uh, over the last... 24 to 36 months so and I think Mick, Mitch Brundle knows that some of the players he needs to get rid of which may be easier said than done um, and, he, and, he, and he's going to be marshalled on if he can be successful in the transfer market Dover will, 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 should be okay but, but he, he's got to bring his own players in because some of these players um, aren't good enough or don't want to play or have no real hunger for it but I think Brundle's a tough character and I think um, we'll try and get what he wants. It's a tough challenge. Uh, Ebsfeet also in action on Tuesday night and they move three points clear at the top with victory at Dulwich. Uh, four wins in a row now for them. I, I think it's safe to say that slump is officially over, isn't it? Christmas, nobody cares what happened at Christmas and New Year now. Three points clear, game in hand. Uh, yeah, it's looking good for them, isn't it? So, it's a good result against Dulwich. Uh, well, Dulwich are a funny team as well, another inconsistent side, but yeah, I don't think I think the game was delayed because they got really late to the ground. But yeah, good position now, Ebsley. It's in their own hands. They've gone top of the table, four wins on the spin. When they needed those wins, and they've got them. So, got Concord this week. I think you expect them to beat them. So, yeah, they've only got themselves to blame. We probably said that now in this position after that blip, only themselves to blame if they don't win this division. Yes, absolutely. Uh, the fixtures this weekend. Welling United travel to face Chelmsford City. Uh, Ebsfleet, as Matt just said, at home to Concord Rangers. Dover go to Hemel Hempstead. It's Tunbridge against Braintree, as we've already heard. And Dartford head to Worthing uh, before Worthing try again uh, to come down to face Dover Athletic on Tuesday night. Uh, in the National League, the only two games to survive in the whole division on Saturday. Both were in Kent, uh, but neither of our sides could win. Bromley held to a 2-2 draw by Aldershot. And Maidstone beaten in a thriller by leaders. Wrexham eventually losing out 3-2. Uh, both were also home on Tuesday night. Bromley drew again, fighting back to draw 1-1 with Dagenham Redbridge. While the Stones, who've seen that potential new investment fall away, uh, lost 3-0 at home to Aldershot. All three of the visitors' goals coming from one of Matt's all-time favourite Dover Athletic strikers. Yes, that's right. Innie Effiong with a hat-trick. Uh, a bad week for the Stones, Matt, with, with, with losing that potential investment uh, and, and obviously two defeats. And, and after tonight, they've gone bottom of the table as well. Well, if any of you scored a hatchet against you, I would be concerned. Um, I believe it was past uh, Mersin as well, because right, right, Tom Hagler's well, yeah. injured. So, <laughs> Well, uh, again, I wasn't Mersin's biggest fan either. So, um, yeah, it's, it, what, after the Lord Mayor's show, isn't that a great result against Notts County? Wrexham, when they were a little bit lucky, could have won the game and then sucker punch in the final minute again. Mersin may be at fault for that. You can watch the video of it. All the shot, I think it maybe was a real must-win game, because all the shot do pick up points and they're the sort of the side fifth from bottom one they? I think they've got and now they've lost a bit of a gap on that one so it hasn't been a good week as well when you think the, the investment is on I'm led to believe it's on pause not necessarily off but um, clearly they're not going to overspend um, this season to try and stay up from reading the statement from that but yeah yeah it's, it's not looking good for them I think it's eight eight defeats in the row in the, in the league they need to start winning some matches and they're getting a little bit marooned at the bottom. So it's, it's a shame for Maystone, but it shows how tough this division is. If you, again, 
if your dealings in the transfer market are probably not good enough. Yeah, and obviously no new news uh, on a manager as yet. George Elakobi still in charge there. Both we, those... Again, we don't want to talk about that. You know, you know, Dover have given the Brundle the job. You know, less experienced, got a lot younger than Elakobi. Do you think Maystone needs to go down? We asked the question of Jay Saunders. Um, he didn't deny. He's quite. He said he was happy at Tunbridge. Would you think that Maystone will stick with Elakobi because he's popular with the supporters, or is it time to get an experienced manager? to regroup and if they are going down have the plans in place to get them back up again it's difficult isn't it i mean obviously ella kobe will be we don't know for if ella kobe wants the job in the first place permanently but it's really tough and you know i think we all know mason have been burned before with manager manager choices so they're going to be careful aren't they um i genuinely don't know what i'd do if i was them i think i'd see what was, i'd definitely be dipping my toe in the water to see who's out and about and who's interested uh, and then and then you make a decision from there. But, you know, the problem is if you bring someone in now, they're going to want to spend money on the squad, aren't they? And that and that's where it becomes a, a difficult decision in terms of how much are they, if this investment is still possibly in the pipeline, how much are they willing to, to put on it in order to perhaps try and stay in the league this season? Because you wouldn't want to come into that job and, and, and have the players that are there. If you're going to come in, you're going to want to put your own stamp on the squad. And I, and I suppose that's where the, the, the big question lies. And I suppose that's the thing that Maystone United are currently weighing up. Is is their ambition to to keep a steady ship or or have a go at it? And and that's the I suppose that's a sixty four thousand dollar question, isn't it? Yeah. If you throw money at it and you go down, does that affect your budget for next season? Will there be a time that Maidstone think, right, right? We're not going to, we're not going to, I don't think they would overexert themselves, but um, they're in a position here that how are they going to get out of this? Because they're not winning football matches. Um, do they give it to Ella Kobe? I presume they'll give it to Ella Kobe. will have it till after the, VAR, the trophy game and see from there. Um, give it to the end of the season and see what they can do and rebuild for next season. Do you think they're down, John? Look at the table. It's going to be tough for them, isn't it? Never say never. It's going to be tough. But they obviously need to start picking up results sooner rather than later. And, and you know, as, as as we've said many times, losing is a habit and you've got to get out of that habit quickly. And, and Mason at the moment just seem to be in a bit in a bit of a funk. And, you know, we know Mason is a fantastic club. They've got fantastic support, but you just need something from somewhere. And, you know, as you said very early when we started talking about it, it's a tough division. And I think Maidstone are finding that at the moment. And, and, yeah, it's looking tough for them, but you never say never. Yeah, we've got to pick up the results. Is it Torquay they've got this week, isn't it, away? Yes, they go to Torquay on Saturday. I guess, I'm saying, they, I think they're in the relegation zone as well. They've got to get a result against them, you would have thought. They need something just to just to stop the rot, isn't it? You'd have thought they'd back, you know, how good would it have been the confidence if they'd got a draw against Wrexham? But again, that last minute goal probably just puts a little bit of doubt in your mind again and Clearly, any F when he's had his boots on the right foot for once um, and enough to, to beat them. Yeah, Bromley also on the road on Saturday as they travel to Scunthorpe, who are now under new ownership and have moved off the foot of the table tonight. Uh, Dover's call off on Saturday, meanwhile, meant that Matt was sent elsewhere on Saturday uh, to the Eastman League South East, no less. Pre match, a lot of the talk was about Ramsgate's new signing, Rowan Lybird, snapped up from National League South Chessant 
After the 4-1 win over Burgess Hill, though, the name on everyone's lips was TJ Jadama, who scored a hat-trick to keep his side top of the table. And after the game, Matt spoke to the Rams' hotshot, TJ Jadama. Yeah, it's a very good day for me. I don't usually score this many. I should have more this season to me. You've got 12 now, so it's a good, good record from midfield. I'm doing all right this year. I'm doing all right. I just need to kick on and try and push on and get to the league, hopefully. Is that the main aim? You want to play in the Football League? Yeah, definitely. I want to try and push on as far as I can and Rams get helping me do it. Steve Lovell, you know, a very experienced manager. He was singing your praises in his interview there. Has he improved your game, do you think? Yeah, 100%. 100%. Steve's a great guy. In training, we work on a lot of things to do with my position and following up shots. I got a lot of that today, making third man runs and following up shots. So, yeah, he's a great guy. One of the most impressive things was the composure, I think, for all three goals. The first one, lovely dink. The second one, drop of a shoulder, take a man out. And same again, quick one-two for the third. What was your goal you enjoyed the most? The goal I enjoyed the most? Um, the first one, the first one. They were all pretty good, to be fair. Yeah. I say the composure of the finishes, you have to... Uh, that was, that's what impressed me the most, the composure in those positions. Yeah, the, the second one with the feint, and then I've hit it quite hard into the bottom corner. But I would say the first one. I enjoyed that one the most. Definitely. Is that your first career hat-trick? Yeah. I've never scored a brace before, so I was, I was happy with that. But got a hat-trick, and so I'm thrilled. Top of the league, though, as well, Ramsgate. It's in a tough tough division with a lot of Kent derbies in. You're at the top at the moment. You think you've got enough quality to stay there? Yeah, definitely. Obviously, we've just brought in a very good striker. Goals, goals, goals. So, in a couple of weeks, you'll see him on the score sheet, definitely. But, yeah, I feel like we can push on and hopefully go for it. Yeah. What is the strength of the squad, do you think? The, our strength, um, the back four. We've got a solid, solid back four. We are very good defensively in our shape. We work on that quite a lot as well. We are, we have a 4-4-2 today and was pretty solid today as well. So, yeah. Also, I think you do a bit of academy coaching with the youngsters out there. You seem to be a bit of a fan's favourite with the youngsters with your name constantly being chant. How does that make you feel on the pitch? Yeah, I know. It's crazy how this is. This has all come along. But yeah, I see the kids most days. So they're cheering me on. They're all coming saying when I'm coaching them, are oh, we going to come on a Saturday? And you never think they do. But yeah, it's a great turnout and you see them every week now. So yes, I'm happy. You mentioned about getting into the league. What do you think you need to improve in your game? I've got a lot to improve. I want to fill out a little bit, get a bit stronger so I can win a few more duels. But yeah, I just need to work hard, stay focused. I want to be the fittest player in the league. So hopefully just kick on. And what, you, what, do, you, what do you do to celebrate after a, a hat-trick with a ball under your arm this evening? <sighs> not much. I don't drink, so not much. I'll go home and just chill at home with my family. So yeah. And just enjoy the moment. And days like this don't come around very often, I suppose. So you just take it all in, is it? Yeah, I take it all in. I am thrilled, to be fair. I don't score hat-tricks often, so yeah. You've had a bit of ribbing off your teammates in there, though. <laughs> again, what's, you know, but again, a day for you, a good result. Um, Ramsgate going in the right direction on and off the field. Yeah, definitely. You're seeing the crowd each week is going up and up and up. We've had a lot of people coming, so on the pitch and off the pitch, we're going where we want to be. And good luck with you with your hopes and uh, dreams. Yes, thank you very much. Sir. Thank you. Well, there's a young man with high hopes for the future, Matt. Were, were you impressed by him? I really was, really was. Uh, before Ambrose, great friendly. You know, our, our friend Kevin Barham was there chatting to him, you know, secretary now at Ramsgate. And he, he, I said, oh, we've got to watch out for and all the guys said, look out for TJ in midfield. Clearly a, a fan's favourite. Um, and it, he, he, he's a good player, likes a bit of bite in the midfield. But again, typical box-to-box midfielder. Um, and remind, you know, if you say to the sort of the box-to-box, a bit like Frank Lampard, 
because the positions he got in for the goals were perfect. Just run with the ball into the box. And when I said in that interview there, it's the composure of the finish. That's what may really impress me because um, he could have scored another goal but the keeper made a good save for Burgess Hill. He was in position with that goal and he's, and he's just dropped a shoulder and stroked it in the net. There's no... Now, when you get into that position, a couple of the Ramsgate players, when they did get that position, they sort of tried to put the foot through it or didn't have enough energy. But he had enough quality just to strike the ball in the back of the net with three really good goals. Um, I think he's got 13 from midfield. Um, he was probably about five foot eight, five foot nine. You know, probably my bulk out a little bit more. But I, I thought um, he was a really good player. And, and Steve Lovell was singing his praises as well, saying that, you know, they've worked on him. And whatever level, if you're a midfielder and you're scoring goals, um, you've got 13 at, by the end of January. Clearly, you've got something about you. So he's on a contract at Ramsgate. And I'm reading between the lines. I think he carries on like this. There will be clubs higher up the pyramid. Ramsgate might be in a higher division next year, and that might be enough for him. But higher up the pyramid, who would look at him? Because you're looking for an energy midfielder who can score goals, and there's not many of them around. I remember I saw Ramsgate at Hastings before Christmas. Uh, last season and and I think he played well down there that day as well Jajama so there's definitely something about him and he said you know he's got an ambition to to get up into the football league is he that good? I think again with full-time training you don't know I think he apparently he doesn't work with the academy and he doesn't somebody said he works at the the local place here where it's the clip and climb he does things like that so a bit of full-time training Rams got only trained once a week I think it is could help on his game, but I'm I'm sure he could play levels above uh, the division he's in at the moment. So clearly he's got his head screwed on. wasn't going out to get hammered after banging a hat trick. I think football is really part a massive part of his life. Um, popular because everybody was when he was walking past with a match ball tucked under his arm. Um, we're really pleased for him. Very popular. And the kids who we teach in the academy all through the game. It was just TJT. They were really, you know. Um, Charting his name, that a real popular character. Um, uh, well, the games will you watch at this level? If a player stands out, you know you you can spot him. And I, I he did stand out, as I thought the Burgess Hill goalkeeper was pretty good as well. Um, and I think he had a good game. Uh, yeah, a good a good prospect, John. So I, was, I see one of the players I rated last season um, move from move to Sheppey. I can't remember his name now. I rated him against Folkestone. Eddie Allsop. Eddie Allsop, good player. Again, I thought he could go and play on a different level. And he sort of jumped around clubs, doesn't he, at that le- um, level, when if he can find a home for him. But I think he's got a... I think he could play out Conference South or maybe Conference National. If you can get him training a little bit more, work on the parts of the, gra- of the game, he's got a chance. But the composure of the finish makes, for me, that he's got a good footballing brain and could play at a higher level, yeah. I suppose I'm, try, not, I'm not trying to sell him Ramsgate, but I, I, but they know they wouldn't have put him on a contract if they didn't think he's got teams would be looking at him. And I suppose in Steve Lovell, he's got the perfect manager to to be under to to learn a bit about football as well. Because obviously Steve had a, had a great football league career himself, was managing the football league, so he's obviously in the right path there. And another thing I thought was interesting there as well, Matt, was he said you asked him what makes Ramsgate good, and he said, well, it's our defence, but they're the top scorers in the division. Um, so they're obviously good all over the park. Do you, do you think they're the title favourites from here? It was a good uh, again. They, they took it. They scored two of the last two goals in the last couple of minutes. Didn't take their chances. 
they looked pretty solid. Baxton and Goal used at Dover last season. He had a solid game. Um, they could have points had chances to finish him off, but in the final third they went right from Ramsdale. But Lybird will be a, a good signing for them. Miller is a good player. They've they got pace in the final third, John, as well. Pace and a bit of aggression. Um, yeah, they, they've got the, you know, from that performance, they needed a result. I think they drawn the last two. It's clearly Chatham will go top of the table. Clearly, it's going to come down to probably um, between Ramsgate and Chatham. It's who's got the, uh, uh, the nous to see it through, really. It's going to be interesting. Beckenham are up there. Uh, they've got a chance. I think Steve Lovell's a key component. He's been there, brought the T-shirt before. So if he can keep players fit, and I know they're looking to bring other players in as well, um, they've got a chance. I, I don't think they want to throw it away because maybe last season they threw it away a little bit. And maybe that experience this year with Steve Lovell might be able to see him over the, over the line for the title. We shall see. Elsewhere on Saturday, Sheffield United also had a hat-trick hero, uh, Jake Embry, uh, as they went goal-crazy in a 7-3 win over Littlehampton, which took them into the playoff places. Uh, Chatham beat Beckenham 3-0 and Cray Valley beat Hythe 2-0. Uh, Sevenlinks beaten 3-1 at Lansing. And it's been another interesting week at the bottom. Uh, Michael Goldiolas, he told me to say that, a Corinthian, apparently even played the ball along the ground once or twice in their 4-1 win at VCD on Friday night. And then on Tuesday, the teams either side of the hoops were in action. Sittingbourne getting their first win under Ryan Maxwell as they too won at BCD. But Faversham were beaten 3-0 by Beckenham. Uh, Ex-Margate keeper Bailey Vose has become the latest new face at Salters Lane. I think they've now used 65 players so far this season. Mental. Absolutely But mental. Sammy Moore is still yet to taste victory in charge of the club. They're now 12 points away even from the playoff places, let alone guaranteed safety. I just don't understand, Matt. I mean, you look at their squad on paper... That's a decent team. Yeah. But they're still losing every game. I, I just don't get it. No. As we said, Sammy Moore normally gets a new manager bounce. Well, he did it. Where was he before last? It was Averley. It was somebody else, wasn't it? Potter's Bar, wasn't Potter's it? Potter's Bar. They were basically bottom of the league when he came in and they finished like 10th. So maybe there's too many players that are coming in and out there. Uh, Bailey Folkestone. Was he at, I think he was at Folkestone as well this season. So I think goalkeeping has been a position that has been a problem for them but they've got to win sooner rather than later but Sammy Moore clearly reading between the lines he's there for the long run but he'll be disappointed with this but they need to go on a, a massive run of results here to get get them out of the hole they're in at the moment and maybe constant changing of players is, is not really working for them so maybe it probably, probably doesn't help as well you're not getting on the truck with the weather it is at the moment you're probably not training that much. You're playing a game, play, playing a game on a Saturday, then you're seeing the players again the following Saturday. So maybe it's the wrong time of the year he's coming for it at the moment. But I, I can't see him getting out of this. I, I, under Ryan Maxwell, good result for Sittingbourne. I think Sittingbourne will rise through the, will rise up okay. But Faversham, they probably just need a, a win, any kind of win, just a bit of a little, instill a little bit of confidence in the squad because at the moment, if he keeps them up or gets them in the playoffs. It's a fantastic achievement, but going on what's happened in the last few weeks, you just can't see it. No, this weekend, uh, a few big games floating about. It's Ashford against Chatham uh, on Saturday. Beckenham at home to Sittingbourne, a two o'clock kick-off that one. A Corinthian host Sheppey United. It's Hythe Town against Whitehawk. Cray Valley travels to Littlehampton. Sevenoaks host East Grinstead and Ramsgate, the leaders, go to Three Bridges. Three Bridges who have that amazing record where they're incredible at home and absolutely terrible away. That one's also a two o'clock kickoff. Uh, and then midweek games, uh, Beckenham and Chatham do 
Lockhorns again are on Tuesday night. It's Littlehampton against Faversham and Three Bridges against Hythe. Uh, into the Ismini Premier Division, where on Saturday three of our teams managed to play and all three of them won. Uh, Cray Wonder was back up to second in the table, level on points to the leaders Hornchurch as they won 1-0 at fellow playoff chasers Averley, while Folkestone beat Haringey 2-1 and on ninth. While Herne Bay made it back-to-back wins in their battle against the drop as they beat Corinthian Casuals 3-1. Margate then played against fourth from bottom Bowers and Pitsy on Tuesday night. And of course, we didn't get a 100% record as it ended 1-1 at Hartsdown Park. Uh, this weekend, Folkestone go to Brighton Sea Regent, Herne Bay head to Canby Island, Margate at home to Wingate and Finchley. And Neil Smith and Cray Wanderers welcome four of us, Tony Russell and Lewis, back to Hayes Lane. Uh, Herne Bay then host Potter's Bar on Tuesday and Margate travel to Kingstonian next Wednesday. Last time, top of that division, isn't it? It is. Yeah, I mean, I was moved up there nicely as well. Yeah, when I was looking, I was very surprised that Cray are level on points with Hornchurch because you know it's 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 that is as tight as it gets up the top there. When you look at it, you know, there's so many teams who, with a win, could go top, and that's incredible. Yeah, and and Folkestone have, you know, Folkestone's got a good home record, so they're only sort of what three points out of the playoff zone as well. A couple of games in hand on some of the other sides, so thinking that. Maybe Folkestone peaking at the right time, getting running into form at the right time now, Folkestone. So good to see if they can get those playoff positions. But fantastic achievement for Neil Smith at Cray. And again, I'm surprised that, you know, there hasn't been more murmurings, maybe Neil Smith for the Maidstone job, I think, really. But I'm not trying to give him the job there. But that seems that to me, if, if Chase Saunders is not going back, Neil Smith to Maidstone seemed a nice fit to me. Yes. Uh, last but by no means least, we've got the Southern Counties East League, but it goes without saying uh, that the weather had a pretty big impact there. Just two Premier Division games survived on Saturday, with Fisher beating Russell by three goals to nil, and Glebe winning 2-1 at Kennington. While well, the Kent Senior Trophy tie between Punjab United and Hollands and Blair, have you heard about this one, Matt, was abandoned midway through extra time with the home <laughs> side 2-1 ahead. But 105 minutes, and then the game was called off. And and someone said, why didn't this game just go straight to penalties? You know, it's absolutely bizarre. Uh, they're playing that again next midweek anyway. Uh, Glebe then made it back-to-back away wins on Tuesday night as they beat Lawswood 4-0 in Matt Barman's first game in charge of the home side. Uh, while Dealtown and Irithtown both made it through in the Kent Senior Trophy with wins over Snodland and Stanswell respectively handy for them to, uh, to get some match action as well with their FA Bars games hopefully taking place uh, this weekend. A couple of games on Wednesday night as well. Uh, Phoenix Sports thrashed Sutton Athletic 5-0, uh, a triple from Andy Pugh in that one, and Holmesdale and Punjab drew 2-2. Uh, on Saturday, it's Beersted against Punjab, Canterbury City against Stansfeld, Irith and Belvedere at home to K-Sports, Glebe take on Hollands and Blair, Phoenix Sports meet Rustall, it's Sutton Athletic against Kennington, Wellingtown against Holmesdale, Whitstable against Tunbridge Wells, and then next midweek, as I just said, Punjab and Hollands and Blair are going to try again, and the other quarter-final in the senior, Kent Senior Trophy is Irith and Belvedere at home to Beersted, uh, and then on Tuesday, there's one league game, Fisher against Phoenix Sports. And on Wednesday, it's Canterbury against Deal Town and Irith Town against Lordswood. Uh, in the Scaffold First Division, Faversham Strike Force beat Greenways 2-1. FC Armstead saw off Staplehurst Monarchs 4-0. Ross United won 3-0 at SC Thamesmead. And after that game, Anthony Jeffrey and Ennio Janella stepped down as managers of the home side, uh, replaced by Ross Baker and Danny Joy. Uh, one game on Tuesday night, another win for FC Armstead 2-1 at Meridian VP. While Wednesday's game between Lewis and Borough and Tooting Beck ended 0-0. Uh, fixtures in the Scaffold First Division, uh, AFC Whiteleaf against Lewis and Borough. It's Bermondsey Town against Faversham Strikeforce. 
Brighton Ropes take on Tooting Beck. It's Croydon against Meridian VP. Forest Hill Park meet Rochester United. Greenways take on Larkfield and New Hythe. Lidtown against FC Elmstead. And Sporting Club Thamesmead meet Stablehurst Monarchs United. And then on Wednesday, there are two more fixtures. Brighton Ropes against Bermondsey Town and Forest Hill Park against FC Elmstead. That's it. Well, you're permitting, John. Well, it's all weather permitting, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> you know, we, we, we were talking about this cold snap and everything. Well, it started raining again now. So that just is going to make it even better. Um, for, for us all. Um, but I think it's supposed to be a bit milder over the weekend, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's about to about 8, 10, 8, 10 degrees. So um, well, I haven't got a game this weekend, so I'll, I'll hopefully get out and about, um, enjoy the less cold weather, I think. Well, it's going to be a balmy five degrees here, apparently. Oh, so. right, there you go then. So, yeah, but, yeah, it's, it's yeah. not going to be as cold as it, uh, as it, as it, has, it has been. So, um, yeah, I think somebody said there is... Beast from the east or whatever it is, it could be coming in a few in a week or so's time, but that may be just repeated from previous years. Articles written by newspapers. They're not trying to get clicks, are they? Those newspapers. No, well, could, be... could well be, mate. Could oh, well unbelievable. be. Unbelievable. Who'd have thought? Um, right. So, well, hit me with some of your TV recommendations, then, my friend. Well, right. Um, first of all, uh, I've watched a few movies this week. Mm-hmm. First movie, I've, which is because uh, the wife's been out. I watched. Um, all clear on the Western Front. Have you seen that on Netflix? Nope. It's it's big. It's it's a uh, it's a, a book from the late thirties, late twenties, and this is another remake of this. It's been before. It's up for the best film Oscar, and it's about this German guy, German eighteen-year-old who gets conscripted, you know, conscripted to go into the First World War. I have to say, unbelievable, Mike. You know, film. Uh, it's very harrowing, but really puts into home that what they went through in the first world war 100 years ago and I, I look at it now and people like me would have lasted approximately 10 seconds in that sort of situation so that, is, that was a really good um uh film so it's up for the best film oscar and the, 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 it, you know it's, it's it's in german but you can read the subtitles but they have bits where you just hear the sounds and that really comes through on that so that was really good um the bank of dave that's a film we watched as well as a family which is a big Netflix one about based in Burnley. That was quite good. And also probably the up there, I watched Hamilton. Have, have you, you know the musical Hamilton? I do know it, yes. So, yeah, and we watched that because that's on uh, one of the channels. And I thought that was unbelievable as well. And so and it's made me think that I should go and watch the uh, theatre show in London about that because great story and ha- so cleverly put together from that. And I've also watched, I've been really busy, um, uh, the Chippendales thing about the b- building up of the Chippendales empire, you know, the men who, who um, take all their clothes off for women and how that sort of fell apart and all they all fell out and it was all murder and all things like that, which is another good programme. So I've been really, really busy this week watching uh, programmes on the telly. So there's all my recommendations for you, John. We haven't watched Happy Valley yet because we're going to wait till the all six episodes, but apparently that's really good. So I just want to clarify, right at the start of that, you said I've been my wife's not been here, so I've been watching films. And one of the things that you told when you said that, I thought, oh god, this could be this could be dodgy. And then you told me that you watched the thing about the Chippendales. Right, yes, that's that's, that's a series, but that thing, but that was quite interesting. I saw it advertised it's advertised on sides of buses, so I thought what about the Chippendales? Well, it's a good marketing opportunity that this thing, and it and it all goes wrong because of course. Money brings greed and everybody falls out and then people get murdered and all sorts. So, and it's a true story, John. So there you go. So just just me sitting in front of a computer all day is probably a, a dull life. Doesn't 
lead to murder and things like that if you have a, a good idea as a business empire. I wonder if in 40 years' time there'll be like a, a, a eight-programme drama on Disney Plus about the Ken Only podcast. Well, well, we haven't done anything. Well, it's like you try and bump me off because we're making fortunes without telling me or vice versa. I wouldn't have thought so, mate. The award-winning Ken Only podcast. Yeah, that's play true. You. My mate always thinks that you, you, um, you sound like Ricky Gervais. So Ricky Gervais maybe could play you. Well, yeah. Um, some, some, people said, some people said I sound like James Corden as well. James, oh well. And you know, in his Smithy days, I probably had the the bulk as well. So oh, yeah. you know, I don't know who play me really. To be honest, oh well, no well. I always think I look like Ronan Keating, but my wife always thinks I don't. So mate, not Ronan Keating. <laughs> I don't like Riley Keaton, do I? Uh, how can I put this delicately? <laughs> um, well, I sing like Ronan Keaton, so that was it. Uh, <laughs> how can I put this delicately? <laughs> no, yeah. No, I don't certainly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe back at the rear, yeah. I don't, not, yeah. I don't know who would play me now. So I'm just a... Rodney Trotter. I used to be called Rodney at work. So I look like, so I look like Rodney Trotter. Which well, he's back in not... the game now, Nicholas Linder. So maybe well, he's, 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 he's in Frasier, isn't he? My favourite yeah. programme. Well, exactly. So, so yeah, so yeah, I do look, look like Rodney. Yes, so I do look like Rodney Trotter. Which is not a good. It's not a good look, is it? No, it's not. No, so, no. Yeah, uh, yeah. I've not been well, watching what about you, much. Then? Have you been anything exciting apart from not really. No, just been work. Yeah, walking for beer. So um, my favourite brewery, who are based in Cornwall, um, every January they do a very clever marketing thing where they release a beer that they only release in January, uh, and they basically make it very popular because. After Christmas, a lot of people aren't drinking, are they? A lot of people right. do dry January. So every January, they slam this beer out, and then they get loads of money through the through the coffers. So uh, it went on sale last Wednesday online, and I'll be honest and say I, I did forget about it. Um, and so by the time I'd looked online, it was about up, up past, half an hour after it went on sale, it had all gone. Um, and then I found that the local beer shop in Tunbridge, Wales, uh, had were getting a delivery of it. So basically what I did was I parked my car where I normally park my car on Friday to go to work, knowing that they'd had their delivery of it, walked into the shop and I said, well, have you got any of the beer? And he was like, yes and no. I said, well, what do you mean? He said, I can sell it to you, but you can't have it. I was like, what do you mean? He said, well, I won't have until tomorrow. I said, okay, fine, no problem. I'll come back tomorrow. So I paid my money, walked to the station, got the train and then the next day did exactly the same walk, but this time managed to get my two cans of beer. Um, I decided I was going to have one on Sunday uh, and then save the other one for a few more weeks because when I had it before, it was it was okay, but I think I drank them all quite soon. Um, but I had it on Sunday, and you know what? It was exceptional. So uh, the other one, I'm sure, in a couple of weeks' time will also be absolutely delightful. Is, so, is, it, is this like the prime of the alcohol world? Because my kids always want can you get some prime? I'm, I'm not queuing up with... Everybody to um, find some prime, which apparently it's, going for extortion at races, and apparently it's disgusting. It's the prime of this brewery, I would say. Right. Um, but you know, it's 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 just a nice can of beer. You know, it's not. Is it the best beer I've ever drunk? No. Is it up there? Yes, it is actually. It's very very nice, and you know, it's it's a really really good beer. So well done them. Um, you know, they've got all the ingredients. It's not like going for a carving without horseradish sauce or something. It's you know, they've, they've got it all right there. Um, and it was very, yeah, it was just, it was just really, really nice. Are so they expensive, place. are they? Uh, they my cans were £8.50 each for a 500ml can. But it, well, that is expensive for me. So it is like the prime. So the, things, I, I have a, I have, the thing for me about beer, and, and 
I am a beer snob these days. I hold my hands up. I am a craft beer snob. I make absolutely no apologies for that. And my attitude towards it is, is I would rather go and have two or three nice beers that I'm going to really, really enjoy and pay a premium than pay the same amount of money and drink eight that I'm not going to. And if I go into a bar and they don't have any like sort of craft beer or nice IPAs on, I'll have a glass of wine or I'll have a Diet Coke. You know, I, I'm not. It's, I'm not like that. It's alcohol's the be on end all for me anyway. I like a drink, um, but it's not. You know, I don't, I wouldn't go into a bar where they've just got like your standard lagers and think, oh, I've got to have a pint, so I'm going to have one of those. I genuinely would rather go without than have a if than have a rubbish beer. Yeah. Um, I've done it. I've done it abroad several times. I've gone and, and the local lager hasn't really done it for me, so I've just been drinking wine all week. Um, would you like to um, run your own one of those little pub things and make your own beer? They make their own beer, these little microbreweries. Some of them do that. Some do, some do, some don't. I mean, I'd love to, but you know, it's a very uh niche, uh, I suppose, isn't it? It's very niche, but there's it's quite a saturated marketplace at the moment as well. Right. You know, I mean, there's three little micro microbiles in, in Eastbourne alone. Um, you've got Brighton's got hundreds of them. Uh I mean, even Broadstairs has got three or four. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, so never it's, been it's, any of them, mate. <laughs> you've missed yeah, out, mate. honestly. The, the yeah, 39 yeah. steps uh, is one that I like very much. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's nice in there, but you know, it's, 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 yeah, it, I think it would be like a sort of, I think, I think mate, to be honest, I've had my fill of doing hospitality business. That's true. Uh, that's true. Didn't have a, uh, well, I enjoyed it for, I, I enjoyed it for some of the time, but it wasn't the best uh, four years of my life, by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, and I'm kind of glad that I've moved away from it now, moved on. Uh, and I'm in a much better place. So I don't think I want the stress of working hospitality again. I could do without the stress of being a freelancer, um, you know. But uh, I don't think hospitality is is is, call, is going to be my calling again in the future, shall we say? Oh, right. well, yeah. well, well, well. Again, so if you ever came around here and I get offered you a, a stale cold can of Stella, you would put your nose out of it, would you? Yeah, I'd have a soft drink. Yeah, good lad. We don't have money in that. Well, yeah. Well, that's the cheap. We won't be. It, It'll probably I've be water. prime by the time I get hold of it. Well, if anyone knows of any knockoff prime in the Boston <laughs> yeah, exactly. area, yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, Matt Gerrard would be I, delighted. If I walked in with a can of pr- whatever it is, a bottle of prime, I'd be like a god to the kids. Wow. Yeah, so that's another highlight. But again, I'm not queuing up like the whole world is. I, some some YouTuber does it. I've got no idea of something. So there you go. If, if anybody tasted prime, please put on here. What does it taste like? And what, it, it's, it's one of these energy drinks. Is like, um, is it these, these two losers that think they're boxers? Is it something to do with them? Yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, clearly they're making money. Being a YouTube, being a YouTube, we maybe we should be on YouTube because being a YouTuber seems to be the the big the big thing. You could be an influencer if you're a YouTuber. I, I, do you know what? I don't think our Kent only football knowledge is going to get us far. No, no, probably no, probably not. We, yeah, yeah, we got us on the radio. I just look, see how that ended. Yeah, exactly. Got us on the radio for almost two years. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, that's about it, mate, isn't it? It's late yeah, night, 11 o'clock. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, we better uh, wrap it up because we've done, we've had some good interviews in there as well. So hopefully everybody uh, has enjoyed this show. You can find us on Twitter, as always, at Kent and our podcast. You can find us on Facebook, search for Kent Only Podcast. I'm at JohnPips81 on Twitter. Matt is at Matthew underscore Gerard. Uh, as we always say, thank you, everybody, for listening. We do appreciate it so, so much. Uh, and thanks, of course, to our guests, uh, for their time uh, to make this show pretty good, actually. This one, this was, this has yeah, been a good enjoy, one. Enjoyable, mate. Enjoyable one. Yeah. Again, not much football going on, but some good to have about the the, the groundsman view of that. I think uh, 
it's interesting. I think that is really interesting. Now, it's a tough old job that because of course, you know, in the summer, in the in the summer, everybody expects on the first of August your pitch to be absolutely brilliant, and then they're criticising you in January when the pitch looks crap, doesn't it? So you can't win really. It's one of those things like, and I will wrap this up in a minute, but people always have a different perception of what a job is like. Um, you know, people 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 thinking, well, just mow the grass and you know yeah. stick a fork in it half time and I, i'm sure people look at your job and think oh that's easy and i don't know if you've seen there's a program on sky at the moment called hold the front page uh with um nish kumar and josh widdicombe right. uh, which i've watched one and a half of uh, where they try and become journalists they try and go and get a front page story and they're going all around uh, local newspaper groups uh various places and they were sat there on the episode i was watching the second one and they went right well before we do anything we've got to write the headline and it's like you don't write the headlines. If you're the, if you're the reporter, you don't write the headlines. There's people like me who do that for you. You don't need to worry about that. Just write the words, and then the rest of it gets done for you. And it's a, I, I can't decide if it's annoying me or not that program. But like no one ever knows the realism of of what a job is like until they actually do it. So trust me, being a journalist is hard work. Okay, take my word for that. Anyway, uh, also editing a podcast is hard work because well, I leave you to it, and I. Absolutely, and I'm and I've made a lot of mistakes tonight. So, uh, but you won't have known because I will have seamlessly edited them all out. As I say, thank you everybody for listening, and we'll speak to you all next week on the Kent Only podcast. I'm just now going to inspect my grass and see how frozen it is. <laughs>